Hi, everyone, and welcome back to The Ball Girls. It's Jordan and Haley, and today we have a very special guest. We are joined by Kelsey Trainer, who is somehow all three of a lawyer, producer, and writer, which is amazing. If you've ever seen the show Blue Blood, she's been involved in that. So that kind of is my first question for you. How do you find balance between all of your passions? <laughs> well, thank you guys for having me. Um, I don't know that I have a balance between all of my passions. Um, you know, my day job is that I'm a, a lawyer for a media company, which has nothing to do with sports, which is another passion of mine. And it has nothing to do with uh, kind of TV and film, well, a little bit of TV, but nothing to do with like film, really, which is another passion of mine. Um, and so I just, you know, I do my work, I stick to my day job. And then, you know, I'm able to through those platforms to like, do some really cool stuff, meet some really cool people. Um, you know, it helps to have that platform it helps to have a space where people are like, oh, you work for so and so or you work for this website and people want press all the time. So it's like, great, you I'll give you some press, maybe, you know, you give me a little uh, inside access to some information. Right, for sure. Yeah, so, there's, there's, there's no balance, balance, I'll say. Uh, I haven't achieved it yet. <laughs> still finding it. <laughs> yeah, still working it out. So you coach women's basketball and you've played field hockey and golf. How did you get into the both into all those sports and what are their roles currently in your life? You know, I like basketball was always my sport. Um, and I was recruited to play in college. I kind of had the, um, I got injured and then I didn't end up not playing basketball in college. So it's kind of like that Monday morning quarterback, like could have, should have, would have done it. Um, but I was like always an athlete. And so being at school, I went to like a small D3 school. And I just, you know, I played rec soccer and this and that. And my friends were on the golf team, on the guys team. And they started a women's team. And they just knew that I had, you know, shot around a bit. And they're like, you know, Kels, would you be interested in joining the women's golf team? I was like, free gear? Great, I'm in. Uh, and the same thing with field hockey. My roommates played and they were a little bit under-recruited. And they're like, would you play? And I was like, I don't have a stick. I don't really know the rules, but let's go. <laughs> um, so it was interesting to play a sports in college that I wouldn't say I, you know, was necessarily like great at or knew a ton about, but it was just fun. And then coaching college basketball was a, was a dream. I would have kept doing that if law school didn't get in the way. Um, and you can probably tell from like any of my social media, but I'm just a total sports like addict right now. I just, I love it all. Basketball especially is like the game I understand the most cerebrally. Um, I'm probably not as good as I think I am, but you know, no, <laughs> no one has to really know that. Um, and so, you know, I just stay involved in following, especially women's basketball. Um, and, uh, you know, soccer has been so fun to watch right now too. And I'm trying to get into the national women's hockey league and just love sports. I mean, obviously, I don't know if you guys play or anything, but they just teach you so much. They definitely teach you how to win, but they teach you how to lose, um, you know, work with people that you like, work with people that you don't like. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah. A lot of, a lot of lessons there. And so, you know, I, I personally think that people who played sports will be successful in whatever they do, because, you know, you have that teamwork or you have the ability and the drive and the determination to achieve something. Um, so that's kind of how it's in my life right now. And, you know, I still go out and break some ankles at the <laughs> local playground. So I also break my own ankle sometimes. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta be able to give it, you gotta be able to take it. Of course. So you kind of touched on like how you loved coaching. You said it was a dream. So obviously you being a coach to young people and then you see people like 
Kara Lawson, who just moved from working with the Boston Celtics to now they're, she's going to coach the next generation of Duke's women basketball players. What role do you see as yourself or in coaches you had in your life in developing these athletes? Oh, I mean, like, I still text my high school coach, who was um, the athletic director as well. Like, she's still on my phone as Coach Rosano, right? <laughs> like, and I still consider her, like, somebody in this world who I look up to. Uh, I need her approval constantly, <laughs> you know, and I share with her today still everything. Like, any article I write or anything I do, I'm, like, texting her it. And just because, you know, her as my coach uh, just was such a support to me especially when you're young and, you know, these high school and college age uh, women, you're really, you're learning how to be an adult in this world. You are still a child. I know it's like 18 to 22 years old, but like, you're still a kid. You know, there's still so much that you don't know. And there's so much real world experience you don't have. And so especially to have like, to have women in those positions, I just think it's so important because it's, they're able to relate to you. Uh, in, in ways and I think like Muffin McGraw said it best she's like it's just there's a part of it that's like you know you can't relate to some dude up there going through what you're going through um, and so you know I mean I, I still text my coaches and I, if I could like if I had the time I would totally still like just be coaching some some youth basketball or something like that you know teach these kids how it's done. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So you started a podcast earlier this year about uh, called Turns Out about sports law and ethics. I took sports law in university. It's one of the best classes I took. So is sports law something you want to get more into or going? Yeah. I mean, I think like being a lawyer, um, you know, a little bit of my background is that I practiced law in Philadelphia for a little bit and then I left the law completely to work on Blue Bloods. And um, I'm, I'm back in the law now, but for a while I wasn't so I've always loved sports and I have this legal background. So to me, it just makes sense to kind of have this sports law niche and to explain things to people in a way that's like, that makes sense. Because I'm sure you realize like the law can be so boring. It's so dreadful. It's, I don't even really, I don't like reading about it. I don't like learning about it anymore. Um, and so, but I think it's important too. Like you have like the U S women's national team's equal pay lawsuit, right? And people go around and they're chanting equal pay, equal pay but they don't really understand what it means, right? Like the lawsuit, part of it was dismissed and everyone was all upset. Um, and so I just try to explain the law in a way that is just understandable. It just breaks it down kind of piece by piece and what it means for like the real world, what it means for people who don't care about, you know, the nuances of it. Um, and so I, I also don't think you like see a ton of women in that space. Um, you have like Jay Billis, who does it a lot for the NCAA and college basketball and athletes rights and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, I always say like, I kind of want to be the female Jay Billis and Jay has been very, very kind to me in his like mentorship and his support of me in that. So um, he'll probably just tell me to be myself, but I'm always like, I'm gonna be like you, Jay. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the sports law space, I mean, it's, it's fun. I, I kind of like to carve it out. And when I was a kid, I was like, I always wanted to be like an expert in something. Um, and, you know, I don't know that I am, but at least like having the ability to read through some of this legal jargon, that's so absolutely dreadful um, and break it down and be somebody that people go to and help, you know, understand it. Um, because it does apply, not just the sports law stuff applies to, you know, every day, the equal pay stuff. That's just a, uh, sports lawsuit it also applies to women everywhere you know everything that's behind it um, so women should understand their rights and understand 
you know, that <laughs> they are not inferior by birth like the, uh, U- like U.S. soccer uh, said they were, so. Yeah. <laughs> no, for sure. So kind of speaking of sports law, and I know you kind of touched on this in one of your episodes, but kind of what's going on with the NCAA right now, and a lot of players are kind of you know, trying to form a union and stuff like that. Obviously, you don't practice sports while you're in media, but you have a legal background. Do you ever see the amateurism rule, like, going away? Or what do you see when it comes to that space? I mean, I definitely think that right now we are in the end of the NCAA as we know it. Um, I don't know what that looks like, but I think you're seeing, like, the conferences right now see that, like, they can have power in and of themselves. I mean, obviously the athletes are realizing they have this collective power. Um, you know, if they withhold their services, you know, then there's no, there's no sports, there's no games to be played. There's no people out there. Um, and so, uh, you know, amateurism, it, it's just made up, right? Cause you have a different definition of amateurism for the NCAA than you do with like an Olympic athlete. Um, but I think overall the idea of college athletes, um, not being able to make money off of their name image and likeness, you know, for one thing, for sure. Um, And possibly, you know, even to get paid to play. I just think it's the kind of the end of an era. Uh, You know, I didn't think we'd see it this soon. Actually, I think I had a conversation with Jay Billis a year ago and I asked him, I'm like, when will we see this end? Like, when will we see this happen? And he was like, I can't predict it. And turns out, you know, like here we are in, you know, 2020s different times but um you know it's kind of forcing people's hands of what it means uh there's just no other space that um especially in for college students there's no other area where you know you are restricted in what you can do you know if you're an actor if you're in bio you know transfer schools or anything like that just because of your program that you're in um you can't you know, the restrictions don't exist anywhere else. And so I think people are really starting to pay attention to that. You know, LeBron James, people like that, bringing attention to it is also pretty big. Yeah, of course. And I know in your writing for High Post Hoops, you've touched on women's basketball and some of the rules in NCAA um, and that, and even the WNBA. In your writing, do you find that the legal perspective you brings, you brings, you bring gives a different perspective for readers? I brings a lot of good notes. <laughs> um, I think so. And, you know, like the, I think of a, one of the things I did for high post hoops, you know, the latest thing I did was about title nine and um, you know, is the lack of television of women's basketball games on TV? Like, is that a title nine violation? And in writing that, I was like, I asked a bunch of people and like, is this, has, does this exist? Is there any scholarship on it? This or that. And um it, there really wasn't. There's a few kind of articles that, that are few uh, scholarly journals that kind of touched on it. And I do think that like, you know, my legal background made me look at Title IX as like an, a law, which people don't take it. It's, you know, they think it's a guideline, but you know, it turns out it's a, it's a law. Um, you know, made me look at that and it's kind of like analyze it word by word, right? And it's like, if it's equal benefits, right? Then what's a benefit? Is benefit uh, the opportunity to um, have your sports shown? Like, is that, would that be something that falls under benefit? And then, so I kind of go through like a little legal analysis and there's a possibility that it does. Um, and so I think that's offers just like an interesting perspective, um, from anybody else. And also there's so many people out there doing excellent, outstanding writing and like 
all the other areas of women's sports that I'm not needed. Uh, so <laughs> I kind of stick to my uh, sports law niche a little bit um, because, you know, that's what I know. We <laughs> were very good at it. I can say Thank that. You. <laughs> so obviously basketball means a lot to you. Was there a certain motivator for you to continue co- uh, to cover women's basketball? Um, I don't know. Like, I think I, I, someone asked me this, like, you know, even not that long ago about like why I wanted to be a lawyer. And I think there's like a certain level of injustice that I just cannot stand like that morally, like my compass cannot handle this, the injustice. And I think you transfer that to sports and women's basketball and the disrespect that's there is just like, I don't understand it. Um, it doesn't make sense to my brain, which I think is, you know, decently logical. Um, and so I think just understanding that like the product is there, right. The, the style of play is there. The, the brand is there with the players and the league. Um, and then also understanding that women's sports are so far behind men's sports, um, in terms of all of the coverage investment, it's like, yeah, there's, there's some work to be put in. Um, and so I'm just, I'm a fan of basketball in general. I love watching, you know, college basketball, this or that. Um, but I think I probably did and maybe in law school have this, like, you know, why am I not like wholeheartedly supporting the WNBA or NCAA women's basketball? Um, and, you know, as soon as I checked myself with that, uh, kind of went like full steam ahead and, you know, tried to just, use my platform, whatever that was at the time, um, to kind of speak on it and still do the same thing, you know, now. And it's, there's a few people like my colleague or my, my friend is a, um, she's a fed. And one of her, uh, colleagues was like, you know, I, I listen to your podcast and like, I didn't even know these women existed. And I was like, that's it. Like, there you go. Now you do. And now you're going to go to a Liberty game, right? We're going to be there. We're going to have our soda and our popcorn. We're going to be sitting courtside as soon as, you know, COVID's over. Um, and just like opening people's eyes to taking people from like what they didn't know they didn't know to it. Like now they don't know it. They know it exists. They just aren't fully familiar with it. But if they didn't even like know it existed before, I'm just trying to bring more people over into the space where they they know it's a thing. Women's basketball is there and it's good. Yeah. Like Haley's been, like, I didn't know anything about women's basketball and Haley's been kind of teaching me more and more as weeks go by. So yeah. <laughs> there you go. Jordan, you're in, like she's in <laughs> and it's fun, right? There's some cool people in the space and the players are cool and you know, the games are fun. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So kind of touching on that too. I noticed that you're kind of, like you said, you want to get into the NWHL, but you're big into the NWSL as well as a woman in sports what do you think is most important when you're consuming women's sports like you know a lot of them are mothers playing these games a lot of them you know they have some of the loudest voices in pro sports about social injustices are these things you think are important in these women's leagues yeah I mean I think you're seeing that I think the league that does it best is the WNBA um I think that they are a league of you know I think it's 80 percent uh women of color And I mean, I think historically, we just know that black women and women of color do the most work with the least amount of credit. And the WNBA has been leading the forefront for years. And then you have the women's soccer, which obviously worldwide soccer is the most popular sport in the world. But in the US, we didn't have that really until the 99ers came along and they they started that fight. Um, And then the team now is the US women's national team is continuing that fight. 
And I think you're seeing that more in the w- NWSL, like the league itself. Um, but it still has work to do, right? Like there's only one female head coach in the entire 10 team league now, um, which is not great, right? And you've got, I think, two female GMs. Um, and so being like leagues of women, um, there's still so much more work to do to be leagues of and for women. Um, but that starts within, and you're seeing, you see that in the WNBA with the social justice council, their new collective bargaining agreement, the moms got, you know, hundred percent pay on maternity leave. Um, they got, uh, you know, benefits in terms of, um, uh, childcare and this and that, and the same thing with the, the NWSL. I mean, there is a difference between a men's and a women's leagues in terms of what these women need to be successful. Um, you know, a lot of them having kids and, you know, the time it takes to have a kid plus to recover. Um, so I think, you know, these leagues are, are leading the way. Um, there's still just so much work to do. And it takes like, I think it was like Megan, Sue and Diana Taurasi on there a touch more Diana Taurasi was like, we need women owners, which is why I think it's huge that we are Angel City, you know, the new team that's going to be in LA is, you know, majority female ownership. Um, And they have money. Like, that's another thing is like, how can women support these leagues? It's like, put your money where your mouth is, you know, like buy the gear, go to games. Um, that's, you know, if you work for a company that has a branding or a sponsorship division, like pass along the information of somebody and let's get a connection going. Um, so that's, I think a way that men think that women are, are starting to think a bit more too. For sure. So my last question, uh, you're based in New York city. Do you believe that there's any hope for both women and men's sports going forward for New York sports? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's tough. Um, <laughs> um, listen, Sabrina Nescu with the New York Liberty, that's very exciting. Um, you know, the and Sky Blue FC, you know, shout out to Elise and Freya, uh, what, what they're doing there. I think all of New York women's sports teams are in this massive rebuild um, that hopefully, you know, will match the majorness of the city that they're, they're playing in and around. Um, and geez, like who even knows if we're going to get live sports <laughs> in a while. Uh, but I think too, like the Liberty, you know, their partnership and, you know, that Joe Sai is now the owner of the team who owns the Brooklyn Nets. Like that's huge. The fact that they're playing in Barclays and this and that. Um, so is there, a, I think, is there a future for the success of women's sports in New York? Yes. Um, whether that success translates into wins um, to be determined. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the same could go for men's sports. Like, Knicks fans, I feel like, are just going to suffer forever and ever and ever. We don't even care about the Knicks. Irrelevant, right? <laughs> <laughs> Madison Square Garden isn't even fun, like, for to go to games. I went to a game there, like, and it's, like, a bunch of people in suits. And I'm from Philadelphia, so I'm used to, like, sports fans that are, like, really aggressive and fun. Um, and the Garden was not like that. Brooklyn, like, the Nets games and the Liberty games are fun. But um, I'm over the I'm over the Knicks and Madison Square Garden. Fair enough. Well, that's everything we have for you, but we always open the floor to our guests. If you have anything to ask us, please let us know. Oh, me to ask you? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, what, what, what do you, to kind of flip the switch? I mean, what do you guys think is the most important thing going forward for women's sports to be successful? There's like the 
there's the chicken or the egg argument in terms of coverage investment. I mean, one, what do you think is the most important thing? And two, um, have you seen improvement? Like, what do you think? You want to go first? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely the investment. I think there's a good amount of coverage out there right now. At least I've seen, I know I'm in the space. So obviously I probably see more than the average person, but there is a really good amount of coverage I find, but it's definitely the investment. And, you know, you always get that argument from men when you talk about the WNBA and they're like, Oh, they all get a million dollars from each NBA, blah, 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 whatever. So I definitely think investment is, but I think it is also skill coverage as well. And no, you have some women who don't support women's sports. It's not even in the sense that like they don't watch it, you know, and teach their own, but like they put it down in arguments. And it's like, who are you benefiting here? Like, I don't know when I grew up, like I can think of my favorite soccer players. And like the first one's always Mia Hamm. Like Terry Henry is my second favorite, but Mia Hamm's my first. That's who I grew up watching play. You think of like Rebecca Lobo or like Lisa Leslie. Like I had a poster of Lisa Leslie on my wall when I was growing up because like I played basketball, I played soccer. Those were my role models. So I think it's definitely both of them truly. If I had to pick one, obviously the money, money rules the world. Right. And I do see a good amount of coverage from people like you or like Ariel Chambers, Lindsay Gibbs, people like that. Like I definitely yeah. see the coverage, but like I said, I know I'm in that space. So that's why I'm seeing it. But yeah, that's my two cents. I don't know about Jordan. Uh, I, would, I would say the same thing as Haley. Um, I think the main thing is putting so I feel like there's a kind of a separation between the men's and women's sport coverage and I feel like the best way it sounds so easy but just putting the women's sports with the men's sports and actually giving them that platform that's the same platform as the men's sports just combining it not separating the two I feel like that's probably the most successful in my opinion yeah I think we're seeing that too with like the WNBA and the NBA coverage or them playing at the same time you know which never happens uh, that's been huge. And, um, you know, the fact that like, I've been like, stoked about it, even though I always complain about like the inability to find games, like I've been stoked to be able to just turn on ESPN, like almost any night of the week and find women, the WNBA on, right? Like that's been so exciting. I know the NWSL, the tournament, you had to like get CBS all access, but like the fact that it's just on ESPN is great. Cause then you have people watching ESPN on a Saturday or Sunday who are like tuning in and Twitter's all like, these guys are all just like, man, I forgot uh, Diana Taurasi was like a real bucket. And it's like, yeah, like they respect it. It's just not there enough for them to see it. And people are like, oh man, I forgot how cool it was to watch Diana Taurasi or Sue Bird play basketball. It's like, yeah, you just, cause you don't, it's not there. Like, you know, if you don't see it, then you're just out of sight, out of mind. Uh, so I agree with you. I, I do think like having the NBA and the WNBA kind of for men's and women's sports, like on the same platforms is super helpful. Yeah, <laughs> of course. But thank you so much for joining us. It was really appreciated. And like, we have a lot of journalists on here, but it's cool to see your perspective, like kind of that legal background. You don't really get that. So we really appreciate having you on. Thank you. I, and, and thank you guys for having me. And anything you need, reach out, you know, shoot me an email, text, anything like that. Happy to help. Awesome. Thank you so thank much. You so much. All right. Cool, guys. Thank you. So thank you so much to Kelsey again for joining us. Her Twitter is at ktrain underscore 11. If you want to follow her, you should, because she tweets about the WNBA and NWSL all the time. So quality follow there. But on to this week's sports topics. Um, there's nothing, I mean, like, obviously sports are back in swing, like everything's in. But the, the things that are happening, it's not just like, you know, this person had like a great game, whatever. There's a lot of drama happening oh. this week. Mm-hmm. This is a drama 
week. Yes. Literally MTV call us. We've got a reality show for you. It's called Sports. Um, the first one, this one, like, genuinely when I read it, my jaw dropped. So on Saturday, mm-hmm. Tuka Rask opted out of the NHL bubble. He has a, uh, is it six-month-old? Just a he newborn did. child, so yeah. He has a newborn child, and, you know, those, that's not time you can ever get back with your kids. Like, he thought, you know, my family is more important. I'm going to opt out. Yeah. Spokesperson of stupidity, Brandon Prust says, I feel like the NHL has done an amazing job with the bubble. Granted, this, you don't even play in the NHL anymore. Shut your ass up. But he goes, like, yeah, go, go. <laughs> he says this verbatim. I'm reading the tweet. He goes, I know he has a newborn baby, but that baby won't know who he is for another six months. Oh, well, maybe more underlying stuff we don't know about. And then he says, that's a job, like, for, uh, hire some more nannies kind of thing. Yeah, like, Okay, like, Morpien literally left you, and she said, take away his rights, because what the actual hell are you on? Like, truly, first of all, when I watch Hockey Wise, I'm like, what she put up with? Like, MP girl, know your worth, because she treated, or he treated her like garbage. But literally, hey, like, yes, it's obviously about the baby, but it's also about him. Like, I think all of our parents would say, like, you don't get that time back. Like, even my parents, you know, they got divorced when I was really little. And my dad's always like, you know, I want to see you guys as much as I could because you don't get that time back. He wants to be with his baby. Like, yeah, what is exactly. wrong with you? And we don't, like, everyone, like, people say, oh, God, I don't want to, I don't even want to say the guy's name who is a reporter, though, or is, sorry, uh, <laughs> saying, like, other players are doing it. Like, you don't, like, you have that option to not come, but, like, now, like, that you're here. And a lot of people didn't like that he was making comments. Like, they found them fishy, his comments prior to leaving, saying, this seems like an exhibition game. Like, there's no fans. He's not wrong. It does seem like a giant tournament. It's a yeah. giant PB hockey tournament. This is exactly what it is. What he said, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bashing anyone. So that's a reach. One. Two, saying, oh, well, other players are doing it. You can't take away if someone's, like, I don't want to say it's a mental health thing, but if you're missing your family that much, like, you don't get to determine how he handles that situation. Yeah. So, like, Look. that's great that Brad Marchand is away from his family right now. But like some other people can't handle it as well exactly like I know I'm somebody like even I know people who moved away for university like eight hours away and then after a week said just kidding I want to come home I miss my family like he could have the literally he could have had the good intentions to go to the bubble and play out a season and then think oh I'm missing my newborn baby and I'll never get this time back you know hockey will always be there I mean always in the sense that you know you can go back next season obviously hockey has a timeline Mm -hmm. but like you know, hockey will be there later on, but him, you know, him being a parent, that's, that's time you can get back. Yeah, and, like, obviously it sucks he left, but, like, it's not like the team's now going to be in doo-doo world. Like, they're not going to suck now. It's still the no. like you Like, you have Pasternak out still, kind of. He's injured, but yeah. you still have other great players, and then Yaroslav Halak, he's not a bad goalie, so you're fine with that. They still got the dub that night before, like, game three. So, like, yeah. You're fine. I know Boston Sports World is actually up in flames kind of right now, but like you're fine with hockey. Like it's fine that Tuka's gone. Yeah. And if he wants to come back, um, did you see that he is allowed to come back if he wanted to? He would just have to quarantine before coming back. That's good. But I doubt he would. No, because like you said, it's not about it's not even like really about his health because that's the thing he's like old it's probably safer in the bubble it really has nothing to do with COVID at this point he has a baby like what what are you not getting through your noggin 
Ding dong, hello. Hello, is there anyone in there? <laughs> Anyways. Anywho, um, jumping on still in hockey, uh, Oscar Lindholm is back. He, yeah, so he was diagnosed with cancer, I believe, in December. Um, I've got Edwin sarcoma. I think I screwed that up, but it's, correct me if I'm wrong, it's the, it's a tumor in the bones or a tumor around the bones, like in the tissue yeah, or something? I believe so. I'm not, I'm not in cancer research. I'll ask one of my friends who's getting their PhD. I am not a science gal, but that's what I found. Uh, so sorry if that's wrong, but <laughs> Uh, yeah, been battling cancer for months, and then in July, on July 2nd, he stopped his radiation, did the little bell. Um, so yeah, now he's back with the Flyers. He joined them uh, right after his 21st birthday. I believe it was Sunday? It was yesterday. That already seems like it was a week ago. Uh, yeah, joined them yesterday at MasterCard Center for practice, and obviously it's great he's back. There's no for sure when he's actually going to be back in the starting lineup. He's just taking it slow and please do, please yeah. do just take it slow. There's no rush. Yeah. Like even going back to the like last topic too, for both of them, like things are bigger than sports. Your life is bigger than sports. Like obviously you get that community sense with your teammates and you're playing the sport you love, but like your health comes first. So that's amazing for him. And I'm so glad he's back. And I know Flyers fans were all like, Oh my God, he's back. Like, thank yeah. goodness. But we're happy for him. Yeah. So excited to see what happens with that. Um, then one more incident. Uh, Claude Julian, he left the bubble last Friday, I believe it was. No, he was released on Friday from the hospital. But he left last week after game two. I'm, all the different games going on, I'm so confused on where we are at right now. But Claude Julian left the bubble with chest pains. Um, stayed at St. Joseph's in Toronto, and then he got released. He got a stint. Is that what it's called? A stent? Not a medical gal, but had something put in uh, in his artery, and then he's back home now in Montreal resting. Not sure if he's going to come back to the bubble, but the Habs are doing pretty good, which no one thought was going to freaking happen at all. Kirk Mallory is with them right now as their head coach, uh, taking over coaching duties. They seem to be doing fine right now. Um, I know a lot of people are mad that the Habs are in the playoffs. <laughs> I know my mom is flipping crap over that. She does not like it. Even with the Blackhawks, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, the Blackhawks, they literally go down 3-0 th- and then win. I'm like, for why? You did this for why? For whom? For what? But uh, you're going to prolong, you're getting eliminated. Okay, have fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So... Still excited to see what's going on with hockey. Hopefully everyone and everything we've just said is okay because it's yes. very, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's hockey for you. Yeah, like you said, health comes first. A um, little bit of basketball news. So they finally have the day one of the NBA playoffs started today. Yes, um, yes. The Raptors broke their game one curse of never winning a game one. So that's good. Uh, go Raps. Oh, okay. We love you. Uh, miss the next step. Um, <laughs> but so in the West, there was a four-way tie for the eighth seed. And I think the way it worked is the games they played pre-COVID kind of like rolled into that. Okay. There's four teams. The f- four Phoenix Suns literally went undefeated in the bubble. 8-0. Still didn't make showed up. <laughs> they showed up, but still didn't make playoffs. The Memphis Grizzlies, who have been like very terrible for a really long time, but they have John Moran, who is like easily rookie of the year contender. They are out too, but the Portland Trailblazers 
they got that eighth spot because Damian Lillard. So I'm sure everyone saw there's all that drama with him, Paul George, and Patrick Beverly on Instagram. I don't remember even like what the post was, but they basically, they were all chirping each other, yada, 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 whatever. After that post, Damian Lillard scored 51 points and seven assists over Philadelphia, 61 points and eight assists over Dallas, and then 42 points and 12 assists over Brooklyn. This man quite literally carried the team on his back into that eighth seed. They got the seed. He got bubble MVP. So I guess it's the same way as like the NHL. They all have these qualifying games. And then I didn't even realize that. Like I thought they were just like resuming the season. I had no idea. So um, yeah, big shout out to Damian Lilliard. He's literally the first player in NBA history to score 40 or more points in three consecutive games, which is absolute insanity. Yeah. Like, you literally see guys who average like 12 points and two assists and everyone's like great game you know mm-hmm. like like keep it up just bizarre um that's pretty much it from basketball because like i said literally like day one of the playoffs started today so yeah. like as for playoff action still best of seven like nothing's really gonna happen as of then but for soccer we all know jordan loves soccer favorite sport um but i this is genuinely like a conversation piece like you could obviously so the mls's back tournament literally just ended and tomorrow phase one of the mls season starts like is that not like asking for players to get hurt burnout like get covid i was so confused i thought this i honestly thought well i'm not a soccer person but i thought like the nba bubble the nhl bubble that they were just gonna finish the season in this bubble i didn't know it was just a tournament yeah. Was it just a tournament? Yeah, it was basically just like a little like kick around, like, all right, we're back into soccer. And like now the season, like phase one is starting. I was like, it, so, first, I'll just finish. Yeah. In that case, okay, so originally two teams opted out Dallas and Nashville, right? Yes. And then did they not? Or I don't know if they were going to play a game or they did play a game in front of fans. Yes. Yes. They, yeah, they played in front of fans, which was bizarre. And then they were kneeling and people were booing. I'm like, you people shouldn't even be at the game. This is a pandemic, first of all. <laughs> like, Okay, can I just ask where the coverage is on this? Because I didn't know about this, so I just attacked my <laughs> microphone. Until you told, like, put in our little show notes, and I was like, when did Liter- this happen? <laughs> Literally. I mean, like, I get not a lot of people, it's not not a lot of people like soccer. Like, Kelsey said, soccer is the most popular sport in the world. But, like, American soccer is not as big as, like, your Yeah, MLS soccer. is, like, it's like the worst to be yeah. honest but yeah is first of all it's bizarre that they're playing in front of fans like you're it's a pandemic people read the room but also you're literally asking like for player safety so you have this tournament for player safety and then you're gonna go throw them into a season starting literally tomorrow uh, like they had no cases in the bubble right yeah but then yeah. so i guess they thought that was the shoe win like we're fine <laughs> we're immune what's a pandemic <laughs> The movie Parasite, I don't know it, and then... (laughs) Yeah. Very bizarre. I don't don't get it. But yeah, speaking of soccer, so Champions League's on right now, and for the first time in literally bajillion years, no Spanish, Italian, or English teams made it to the Champions League semifinal. And because of that, so Juventus, who is um, like probably the best team in Serie A, and then Real Madrid, who is or Barcelona, who are the best teams in La Liga, all of them got knocked out. Juventus and Barcelona literally fired their coaches, like, two days after their losses, which is, like, 
it just goes to show that in like sports like this it makes me kind of laugh when people discredit soccer and I'm like it's a very competitive game in the sense like these people win their league every year and they don't care like that's not good enough like they want to play because Champions League is like the best of the best around the world like imagine if all the guys I mean NHL is a bad example because like pretty much the best of the best aren't in the NHL but like just imagine maybe we'll go like OHL imagine if the OHL had to play like you know the KHL and like all that stuff like you know like it's not just good enough to be better than the Kitchener Rangers like okay congrats like you know what I mean you're literally playing the best soccer players in the entire world from every single continent but they literally fire their that's how serious they are they literally fired their coaches imagine if the Leafs just like fired their coaches after every bad loss I could see the Leafs doing that a hundred percent I mean they did did get rid of her but you know what I mean yeah (laughs) Or, like, the Browns, you know? Your, your brownies. Could you imagine if, like, after Don't every loss... touch Stefanski. No <laughs> one's touching Stefanski. Okay. You heard her. Thanks. But, yeah, it just... I thought that was so bizarre that, like, Barcelona is literally a team... Like, everyone knows who Messi is. You're not a soccer person. You know who Leo Messi is. Yes. So, like, Messi plays for Barcelona. They got blown out by Bayern Munich. Our guy, Alfonso Davies. We love Canadian soccer players. Um literally an 8-2 loss which is a blowout like 8-2 in soccer it's huge like it's yeah. usually like maybe 3-0 and you're like oh okay this is a blowout game not 8-2 yeah but literally like two days after their loss their coach gets fired like okay okay like peace out a town now Boom, <laughs> <laughs> I hate oh goodness but yeah i just wanted to mention that because i was just like that's why like, literally, Bar- I was looking up the stats. Barcelona literally won it, like, five years ago and have won it one, two, three, four times in the last 20 years. That's them playing the best of the best. Yeah. Have won it four times in 20 years. Like, you have one-fifth of the titles, me trying to do math. <laughs> what is math? Math? I don't know her. <laughs> but, yeah. Lastly, so like we were saying last episode, so there was this weird players union kind of thing happening in college football mm-hmm. that never really it's not that it didn't amount to much it was just like you know the players were all like we want to play and then each conference was either like yes or no so mm-hmm. the big time in the pac-12 said no we're canceling fall football you can play in the spring and then other like individual teams said no or like smaller conferences said no mm-hmm. i think the mountain west canceled their season um like the Ivy League or something like that, or like specific teams did. Like I know, what was the one school? Was it UConn? UConn canceled their like fall activities. Mm-hmm. But then Justin Fields, who is the Ohio State University's quarterback, um, but <laughs> he's also a, he's like a, he's, he's a bucket. <laughs> he's my guy. Um, he also though is like literally a Heisman front runner. Front runner was nominated for the Heisman last year and probably is going to go, like, first overall in the NFL draft. He created this petition to, like, save the season and be like, no, we want to play. And also, there was a lot of mixed messages when this was all going on. Yeah. Um, the petition literally already has, like, almost half a million signatures, and it's been out for, like, a day. I literally, I seen at 4 o'clock, it was at 2,500,000 or something like that around there, so I guess it surpassed that now. Yeah, it's, like... Probably. It's crazy the amount of people and like other players are standing behind them because like the SEC, it makes me laugh kind of because the SEC is still playing. The Big mm-hmm. Ten commissioner who canceled the fall season, his yeah, son yeah. plays in the SEC. It's like, so you're not taking your son out of school. You're letting him go play. and You're not going to let these other kids go play. Like, 
either like I don't know what's happening there like you don't care about your son or also like what are you trying to withhold these kids from I don't know there's a lot of like asterisks on it because like frankly if you take them out of classes and stuff then you're agreeing they're not students they're just athletes yada 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 whatever but also like in general like the University of Oklahoma who plays in the Big 12 and I think the Big 12 was still like waiting they had zero cases all camp as soon as kids got back onto campus they had like nine positive tests you're gonna try and tell kids they can't party and hang out with their friends in university it's yeah it's not happening so we'll see what happens there um like Kelsey said too like the players have the power nowadays so it'll be interesting to see what happens there but I just thought it was kind of funny in the sense that he literally was like no they said season canceled he said no which it can make sense like why wouldn't you just let them decide for themselves for like I get it it's a school it's kind of harder than the NHL or like the NFL or anything to like just say no season but just think about all the money like that too exactly and the money that they don't get yeah like you get to profit off all that money and you're telling them no I seen that God, I didn't get to read the full article, but basically they were saying, like, about if someone decides to play, I think it was, I don't know if it was for the SEC, I don't know exactly what it was for, but, like, if a player does get COVID and there is a season, do they file a lawsuit then? Yeah. It's true. I mean, I guess I'm sure they'd have to sign waivers being, like, you knowingly are traveling to other schools and, like, playing other players if you get COVID. Like, that's up to you. But it's also, like the part of the players union that they wrote in was like anyone who wants to opt out won't lose eligibility or like their scholarship. So like they're giving people the option, but so many of them are literally like, to be fair, like they don't care about school. They want to go to the NFL. They want to get a job. Like look at even yeah. Nick Bosa of Ohio state. He didn't play his junior season because he got hurt game three. And instead of like trying to rehab to come back, he was like, I'll get a rehab and then go to the NFL draft. Cause I don't care about graduating. I don't care about this degree. I want to go to the NFL. And that's a lot of these players. And that's Justin Fields, too. But a lot of them also, like, you played this sport your whole life. You know you didn't get to play softball this summer. Like, does that not suck so bad? It sucks. It's been the first summer since I was seven, but I have not played softball. Yeah. Like, that's brutal. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's shit. And, like, even, like, for instance, like, if it was, like, the NFL, for instance, or anything, like, you come back the next year, like, you're fine. And I believe, I think, I'm totally out of the loop with it. But I thought they said, like, they would extend um, eligibility for sports if they got canceled. But now, like, you can't. I don't know. It's hard for, like, people, A, who want to go to the NFL draft, and B, I don't know if that's by school. Like, I know, like, Canadian schools did that. But I don't know if, like, American schools will do that. And also, like I said, like, kids want to go to the NFL, and it's, like, you know, one more season, you can get hurt and stuff like that. Like, there's a lot of possibilities, which I get. And it's sad to see, and I get that people are looking at it from the – you know, protect these kids. But even all these parents, there was like an article going around of parents being like, we want our kids to play. So yeah, I seen that one, I think. Um, But the SEC is fully still happening, right? Oh, yeah, they're like, yeah, we're still playing. So we'll see. how They have 40 kids have opted out or something 40 players or something have opted out. Yeah. And now there's only like 45 teams out of like the 200 something of the FBS who are actually playing. That's pretty much a whole team there. (laughs) Yeah. So We'll see. It'll be interesting to see what happens. But, like, things change by the week. Like, next week, we might call out and be like, college football is canceled for the rest of eternity. I heard um, one of my friends from Brown's Twitter, he posted that 
he has a source, but he hasn't saying the source. I don't know what to, I'm not going to say he's lying. I'm not going to believe that, but I'll just see if it plays out. If maybe, like, I'm not saying the source isn't right. I'm just saying maybe things will change kind of thing and it won't actually happen, but he's saying that it will happen. Yeah, I did see that. So. Yeah, I saw people, like somebody from somewhere said, I have a source at Ohio State who said, don't make plans for Labor Day. So like. So we'll see. We won't say it's completely done. Um, yeah. yeah. As of right now, I have nothing to live for, but that could change. <laughs> but yeah, that's it for this week. <laughs> what a happy note to end off on. Smiles, and sorry if you keep seeing this stick. <laughs> it kept popping out. I don't know why my doctor had to put it up here, but it's just like a heart test. Yeah. Uh, nothing to be worried about, but like I'm just, it's kind of hard to not talk about it when it's literally just doing this the whole episode. Yeah, Baby Boo's just got a heart that's too big. They got a monitor. It's just too caring, too kind, too loving. Oh my god, didn't they say that about the Secretariat too? Did they? Yeah, I think so. The Secretariat died is, or, yeah. Yeah, his heart was too big. (laughs) You remember in class, I cried. (laughs) (laughs) R.I.P. Secretariat. They just cried because his horse died because his heart was too big. (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty sad, honestly. I might cry again. Yeah, don't cry. Also, shout out to Homesy Ballpark. Um, these shirts are everything. And the scrunchies. Yeah. It's not long enough yet, but I will. <laughs> One day it will be. Exactly. Yeah. That's everything from us. Take care, y'all. And we'll see you next Tuesday. Boy. Kisses. Yeah. I need help. <laughs>